looks like. So I've, I've got to see a lot of players up close, like LeBron, KD, Donovan Mitchell, Steph, like all those guys. And I think it just it's pretty cool because I'm, we watch these guys on TV and it, 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 just seeing them like when you're probably like five feet away from them is it, just surreal. Welcome to the Beam Unit episode one. Uh, that was a great conversation, guys. What'd you think? Yeah, I really liked it. I love uh, listening to you know how he prepares on game days and you know kind of what they do um, during during game days and stuff like that. I think it's kind of a nice insight to see uh, you know the grind that they do. Yeah, I just like when Cameron was talking about the assessment for the Kings. He said that he'd give them them an A plus, and I think I agree. I, a lot of Kings, I feel like fans were like, oh, maybe we'll get forty wins, but already halfway like more than halfway so it's just it's really cool to see that with the team as well and someone covering the team so yeah absolutely I, they, we all know they exceeded expectations it's all about your perspective right um i think my favorite part is when he started talking about uh kevin herter and uh i thought that was great so enjoy episode one of the beam unit podcast Welcome to the Beam Unit Podcast. I am your co-host, Daily Sabonis, on Twitter. I'm also joined with my two co-hosts, uh, Naima and Elizabeth. You guys are supposed to say hello, but that's all right. What is up, everyone? What's up? All right. Uh, we have a special guest today. He is uh, one of the rising stars in sports journalism, and he's local, and he covers the Kings. Um, if you don't follow him on Twitter, you should, uh, because he gives you stats and everything up to date on the Kings. Cameron Salerno, welcome. I'm so excited to be here, and yeah, no, I'm looking forward to it. And it, it just it's cool because, I mean, being in Sacramento right now is an exciting time. You know, there's a there's a real buzz in the city that is just you know I've never seen before, and I've lived here my entire life, 23 years, and. I've literally never seen anything like this. Well, I mean, actually, let me walk this back. Like, I mean, from what I can remember, I know when, you know, the Kings were very, very good when I was very young and obviously don't remember. My first really memory of Kings basketball was watching Mike Bibby play. That, that's all my all-time favorite Kings player. Um, I remember when he got traded to the Hawks, I was absolutely devastated. And I was, uh, I was probably, I was like the start of like the, the sadness of a uh, sports fandom that I would uh, grow to know over my um my life but yeah no it, it's been fun covering the team this year i mean it's it's just a real real fun vibe around the team in the city and it makes it a lot of fun for sure so what is your villain origin story how did you become a king's fan i would say just like i mean i don't know i just i i started watching basketball i probably i mean kings are probably the first actual like professional sports team i watched i mean i would i didn't really watch a lot of football i mean until I really kind of got to like elementary school, but I, I really just started. I like Mike Bibby, and I I thought it was a cool name, and I got a jersey, and you know, I, I think there's a picture of me with a Mike Bibby jersey when I was like five or six years old, and it, it's pretty cool. And I it's it, I know everyone was kind of making the bandwagon jokes, uh, and that was pretty funny. I mean, it was uh, people were talking about, oh yeah, I've been a Kings fan for two months, and all all the jokes were, were hilarious, and I I laughed at all of them, but um. I would say, yeah, I mean, Mike Bibby was my favorite player. I mean, he 
he, he's just awesome. And it, it was so cool to see him ring, ring the cowbell the other night. And just because, I mean, it just kind of brings me back to when I first really started watching Kings basketball. And, um, yeah, it, just really fun. So later on, I guess we could talk about how, how Mike Bibby is now a body double for Thanos, right? Like... <laughs> Dude, he is so huge in person. It's it's incredible. I mean, he, I mean, he's a large human being. Like he is, yeah. He does not look like his playing days at all. It's it's pretty funny. Yeah, I'll, I'll take what he's having. Right. Um. So like I don't know, two years ago or a year ago, I recall Jason Anderson introducing you in your account mm-hmm. on Twitter, right? Yeah. And since then, I feel like you've taken off and quickly become a fan favorite as far as Kings Media is concerned. Did you always want to be a sports writer? Um, how'd you get your start? Yeah, so I started when I was 15. Um, I got an internship at the Roseville Press Tribune. If uh, Stephen Wilson's out there listening, he, he's the reason why I started this. I kind of got lucky. And um, I remember like I, he hit me up and said, hey, like we're looking for an intern. Like, Would you be interested? And I was like, yeah, sure. Like I, I knew I always wanted to work in sports, but it wasn't exactly sure what I wanted to do in sports for want to be like a broadcaster or a journalist or you know radio or whatever and I I, I kind of instantly fell in love with the writing because I've always just kind of had a, a strong interest in it and you know kind of like became the perfect marriage so I've been really doing it for almost eight years which is pretty pretty wild to think about but that's kind of how I got my start. But yeah, I always knew I wanted to work in sports. I just didn't know what I really wanted to do. And uh, obviously, you know, I kind of found a passion for writing and it kind of stuck with me. And that was, that was pretty cool. So you get access that we don't, right? Your credentials, I assume, and all that. Yeah. Describe a day in the life of a credentialed sports writer on game day, on King's game days. Yeah, yeah. So I, I'm a person who, one, I love to talk to people. I love to, you know, I, I like to get there early and just, you know, interact with people. So I normally will get there around, I don't know, 4.30, 4.45-ish. And once I get in the building, I kind of just, you know, just try to see all my, my fellow uh, King's beat writers and we just talk. And uh, Mike normally speaks at 5.15 on normal game days at 7, so we'll go talk to Mike and, uh, and, um, and then after that, uh, I go watch players warm up. So that, that's really cool. I mean, obviously it's cool to watch the Kings players like go through pregame warmups. My favorite part is like, you know, like watching the away teams. Like, so I've, I've got to see a lot of players up close, like LeBron, KD, Donovan Mitchell, Steph, like all those guys. And I think it just, it's pretty cool because we watch these guys on TV and, and it, it just seeing them like when you're probably like five feet away from them, it, it's just surreal. So, uh, after that happens, um, you know, like I, we have dinner, uh, there's like a pregame dinner. It, it's always fun because going to the Kings games is kind of like, for me, it, it's one of my highlights of my week just because I get to see everyone. I get to talk to people. Um, and then obviously I get to watch basketball too. So once the game starts, you know, I'm, I'm pretty locked in and, um, for the associated press, we write a story that's, you know, we file at the, at the buzzer pretty much. So, I mean, I have to stay on top of it. So it's not like a huge story or anything, but it's still something that because there's been so many close Kings games in the last, I don't know, I think they played 27 home games this year. If I want, if I'm corrected. Um, and like, I think probably at least half of them have been, you know, like a five point game with us less than a minute left. So, um, so after that happens, we'll go down to um, post game. I normally go to the way team press conference just because, it's easier to get that information because I know a lot of all the Kings guys goes to the Kings press conference and it's just easier to kind of like, you know, 
see, and it's a good opportunity to ask the away coaches or players about the Kings. Um, I mean, obviously, I've had some pretty good interactions with guys like uh, Jokic and, and Donovan Mitchell and some of the other coaches and, and Steph. Um, so that, that's been really cool. And so normally that happens, uh, I'll leave. Uh, I normally leave around maybe 11-ish. It depends on how the game goes, but I'll normally go in the Kings locker room too, just kind of like see what the vibe is and, and talk to players too. And so by the time I leave, it's around maybe 10, 11-ish. And I get home around, around 11.30. So that's kind of the day. Like it, it, it's kind of really, you know, some guys will get there early. Some guys will get there right where the game gets going. For, for me, I like to go talk to people. I, I ran to Wes Wilcox yesterday and congratulated him on the job. Like, you just when you get there early, it gives you a lot of opportunity just to talk to people. And that's, I think that's the best part of the job, just getting to know people. So, do you kind of have to say off the record, like, you don't ethically, you don't pull from side conversations and private conversations? Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, it's. <laughs> I my my favorite person I've talked to this year, just like as like kind of getting to know him, is Kevin Herter. We always like he's a huge um, football and baseball guy. He, he's a big Yankees and um, and uh, New York Giants fan. And so like I was asking him the other day, like what should the Giants do this off season? So he's pretty cool to talk to. And I, I've had some interactions too with um with De'Aaron and De'Aaron's a good guy. He he's he's genuine. He's funny. Um, something that like hasn't really been talked about, which I think is pretty hilarious. And I mean, it's not really it's not like an off the record thing. So like I could say it. But Keegan and De'Aaron were like messing with each other as far as who would be each other's college. And and De'Aaron, you know, was talking a lot of shit to De'Aaron or. Sorry, De'Aaron was talking a lot of shit to Keegan, and everyone knows kind of how Keegan is. He's very, you know, monotone. He, he's not going to talk shit back. And so just, like, kind of hearing them go back and forth because their lockers on, are on the other side of the room, it was one of the funniest things I've ever experienced or heard. But, yeah, it, it just – the vibes in the, the locker room and just, like, the whole team is it, just incredible. I mean, everyone really gets along. Everyone really loves each other. And I, I know it's very cliche, but I think that's super important, especially, you know, with how the season's gone and how everyone's kind of progressed. That's amazing. Um, I am going to pause for a second, uh, guys, we are going to open up the mics in about 10 minutes. So if you could hold on, I appreciate it. So that way we can get to talking about Kings. Go ahead, Elizabeth. Cameron, Cameron, I wanted to ask you, um, do you ever travel with the team and go on like road games uh, and cover them at all? Or just strictly? Home unfortunately games? not. I've been to both games in the Bay area this year, which I mean, if that, kind of counts i mean like i don't know it's, it's not really that far i mean from here to uh chase center is like maybe two hours of that so um i wish i did unfortunately i don't i mean i just i freelance for the associated press so like i've i've had an opportunity you know to cover the team this season and it's been a, a blast and obviously you know if uh if they make the playoffs we'll see i mean that'd be cool i mean i'd love to travel i mean my my goal is to one day be like an NBA beat writer and travel and because I, I think seeing the whole country is one of the coolest things in the world and obviously you know basketball is a global game and it brings so many people together so to answer your question kind of technically I've traveled because I have I've gone outside of Golden one to watch a game but um as far as like you know like going on road trips I have not this season so you mentioned this dinner uh at Golden One I mean is that are all the sports writers eating dinner with yes. you yes so they have like a, a like every every game they have like a media meal and so like you know everyone kind of eats at different times so but most people will eat like you know so they close the court at like 6:30 and then players go like actually warm up for the game probably like 15 minutes later around like 6:45 but 
between like six thirty and 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 like seven ten. Because here's your guys' like fun fact: if you guys didn't know this, if you haven't picked up already, NBA games always start at seven ten. If it's a seven o'clock tip, I know, um, I know people are on different like time zones, but. NBA games always tip 10 minutes after like the scheduled time that is supposed to be seen. So that was your fun fact of the day. Um, so Kings games always start at seven ten, And so like between that, like maybe 40 minutes or so, like we all just kind of just hang out and it just, the vibes are really cool. I mean, everyone is just nice and it's cool for me because I'm the youngest person there by far. Oh, well, not by far. There's, there's a few people who are under like 26, 27 uh, on the beat, but I'm, I'm the youngest person there. And, uh, yeah, so I, I, I'm, I'm like the kid on, on the beat. So it's pretty fun, though. I mean, there's good vibes. We always like kind of joke and talk, and it's 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 fun for sure. So, yeah, so I imagine everybody uh, is just cool with each other. Yeah, everyone – Like a brotherhood. Everyone or... gets along pretty well, I would say. I mean, it's uh, it, it's pretty fun. It's I mean, we're, like the thing is everyone thinks journalists are like ultra-competitive people, which, yeah, we can be like at times, but – at the end of the day, we're all just trying to do our job, and I think that's what's really cool about it because, you know, we're all just friends, and I don't see it as a competitive thing. I think it's cool that I get to go um, see all these people and, and interact and, and cover the NBA, and it, it's just a dream come true for sure. So when it comes to the scrums, like I noticed some people get cut off when they're asking questions. Like <laughs> how do you guys navigate that? Yeah. It's really interesting because especially in the locker room, only probably five or six people go just because they, the NBA has really cut off tier one access, which tier one is you can go to either locker room, um, go to the court tier two access, which like most people have, you, you can't, you can go to the press conference, but you can't go inside the locker room. The NBA just because of COVID, they like limit that stuff. And so um, there's only probably about maybe five or six people who actually go in the locker room every game. But I would say like everyone just kind of respects each other, if that's the right word. Like, you know, everyone just kind of is uh, like everyone can ask their questions. I know it, it's it's definitely different than what people might think. Like the, the media scrums like at media day were crazy. Like it was <laughs> it was absolutely it was insane because you're lucky getting one question, but I would say like after the game, like, you know, in, in the post game locker room where it's like only maybe five or six journalists, like everyone kind of respects each other. And everyone gets asked their questions. I like that you bring that up because I think there's always a perception of journalism, you know, like people in journalism, like fighting each other, basically like having it as a dog fight to get their questions. Yeah. In. Um, do you think winning helps that as well? Cause it makes the vibes more fun. Like yeah. Winning, I, and everyone I, is like, Oh, sorry. I, I I would say so. I mean, I think the vibes are just at an all time high right now for literally everyone, um, for journalists, for players, for coaches, for staff. Like everyone is just so happy. And I, I got to, so I covered as most of you guys may or may not know. I used to work at the Sacramento Bee. Um, I was an intern there for three years, and <laughs> it's funny. So I I wanted to cover a Kings game. And I was gonna—I was supposed to cover the Pelicans Kings game when the league got shut down in March 2020, but it just never happened. Um, but I did cover two games last season. I covered the Lakers game, um, which was—I think it was January 11th, maybe something like that. And then I covered the Hawks game, which was a few days before. But I mean, I know it was because of COVID, but like a lot of there wasn't a ton of fans there. Like it was very restrictive. Like it was just. A complete 180. So 
I would say just like comparing that to now, like it's it the vibes are so much different. It, it's it's pretty pretty not crazy. So the point of this podcast or this show, uh, when I spoke to Elizabeth and Naima, I think I just wanted to know as far as when it comes to King's Media, you guys always ask the questions, but I think it's time that we get to know who you guys were. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so that's the point for me anyways. And I think this is really awesome. Um, so random question. If you guys know me and you guys listen to Cowbell Talk, I'm pretty random. And uh, are you into music, Cameron? Yes. And I saw that question and it's kind of, I like laugh because I like so many different types of music. <laughs> like, I mean, I, I like country, I like rap, I like hip hop. I mean, I, I like just like old music, 80s. Like I, I like pretty much the whole, whole nine yards. So when, when, right, when you, when you, when you, I saw that question, I was like, hmm, like I, I really don't know who I'd put. Like, <laughs> I, I like, I love Drake. Um, I like Fleetwood Mac a lot. Uh, I joked with that when I went on 1140 and interviewed last year, like um, before the Kings Hawks game, I, I, I love journey. Like I, I love, I love so many different country artists. Like I, I like literally all types of music. And so you can't pin one, anything down. I, was, right I don't now? know. Like, I think there's definitely, it depends on the kind of the vibe. Like, you know, like if, if I want to like go with like some friends and have a good time, definitely like rap or hip hop. But if it's like, you know, like I'm just want to have like a good night, like it just maybe like some like old music. Like I love eighties music. I think that's, it's, it's kind of like my, uh, it's definitely a passion for me, but yeah, no, I, I love all types of music. So I, I couldn't really like nail down like specifically like three groups I would love to see, but I, I wouldn't mind. Like I'm not really super picky in the sense where like, if I saw like a festival going on, I'd, I'd still go. Like it doesn't really matter. Just playing to me. Yeah, if you're wondering, the question was, what three acts would you headline your own personal music festival? So, so since I we're get... talking about music, um, since 50 Cent is around the team, have you got to interact with him at I, all? Like, I haven't, he... um, but I mean, he's he's pretty funny. Like, I think, I don't know what the record, I think they're 3-0 or 4-0 when he's in attendance. I know he was at the Pacers game. I know he was at the Grizzlies game, I want to say. It, it, was, it was, actually, no, sorry, the OKC game. I don't know. But I haven't interacted with him personally, but everyone who like has told me he's like a super nice person. So I was I joked with my friend today that the Kings need to have him do like a concert after they, they clinch a playoff berth in Sacramento. Yeah, I think they need to bring that back because they were doing those concerts like outside of Doko a couple times last yeah, year. They, I remember, they so. did it a lot during um summer league. Like I remember like the first I covered the summer league in 2018, which was Bagley's rookie year. And they did a huge concert outside Doco. And I remember like, it was so loud. Like I remember I was like working inside the media room, like hours after the game and you could just hear like the music going on outside. So yeah, I, I hope they bring it back. Like I, I think they, they need to have 50% perform when they clinch, clinch a playoffs berth. And it's funny. So like, I was like, I was, I was looking at their schedule for like March and, and April and, there's a very good chance they clinch a playoff berth, like not in Sacramento. Like if they if they do clinch a playoff berth, I, I don't know how the rest of the season is gonna go. But I would say if like they do clinch a playoff berth, like because I think they only have two home games in April. They play the Spurs and they play the Warriors, which I don't know how the West is gonna shake out as far as like it's so close right now. I think there's like between third place and thirteenth place. It's I want to say I need to look. I think it's like five or six games. It's it's pretty uh pretty wild. I'm gonna look right now because I'm curious. 
So the Canes are in third place right now, obviously. And they are they are five games above the Lakers who are in thirteenth place, which that's honestly pretty crazy. Like, I mean, that three separates thirteen. I know it's only about like forty five to like fifty ish games in the season, but I mean, there's a lot of teams in the West where I really don't know what's going to happen um, because, you know, the Clippers could get hot. They could, you know, get healthy and have their players play. I mean, the Pelicans, I, I think the Pelicans are extremely dangerous, especially if they're fully healthy, which is, I know that's a big if, like B.I. is finally back and and Zion is hopefully going to be healthy soon. I mean, the Nuggets are really good with, I love Jamal Murray, um, Grizzlies, I, I, I'm... I'm not really sold on the Grizzlies. Like I, I like Jaw a lot, but I just, I don't know. They they talk a lot, and you know, Jaw said they're fine in the West, and they are like 15, 14 in the West. So I don't know. We'll see. Playoff time could be different, but if if any, if I could like predict any first round matchup, I'd love to see the Grizzlies and Warriors again because that'd be a lot of fun. That that series last year was a lot of fun, and obviously both games this year have been pretty fun too because I know they played on Christmas Day and then they played last night. That's actually a great topic uh, when we open up the mics. So let's say the season ended today. And we talked about this all week. Everybody's doing this uh, across the platforms. What grade would you give the Kings if the season ended today? I mean, you'd have to give them an A+, plus, right? I mean, not even – I mean, I think coming this season, I think fans would have been satisfied with like 38 to 40 wins. And there's seven games over 500 with – I think it's like – how many games are left? Like less than 40. Yeah. There's like 35 left, I believe. I think cause they played 47. Um, I mean, I would have to give an a plus. I mean, they've, they've overseed expectations, but at the same time too, because of the way they're playing, the expectations are rising. And if you look at how they played, like even during the win streak, I think they won seven of eight or well, obviously since last night, they haven't really played playing really good basketball in, in some essences. Like they, Against the Grizzlies, they turned over 25 times and they still won by 33. Like, you're not going to be able to do that in the playoffs, unfortunately. But, I mean, I am. I would say, I don't know. I would have to give an A+. Plus. Like, I, I really would. Like, I, I think they've done a good job. I mean, the f- fan base is going crazy. But, like you said, like, the expectations are rising. And so, now you're at the point where if they don't get, like, 45 wins, like, fans are going to be pissed. And, you know, coming this season, that if if you said before the season the Kings were going to get 45 wins and break the playoff draw, I think anybody would have given them an A+. Plus. Just being realistic. So, um, I said even before the season, I said I think they're going to get like 38 to 40 wins. That, that was my prediction. And, honestly, if they get that mark, I still think it would be a successful season. Uh, but, you know, like I said, expectations are, are, are raising or they're rising. And yeah, like, I mean, you could ask probably 20 Kings fans and everyone probably give you a, a different answer as far as like if the season ended today or if, you know, down the line, like when the season ends, like what grade would you give them? So I would say right now I'd, I'd give them A+. All right. So really quick, we're going to play start bench G League. Yeah, I saw that. I'm excited. Three names, Giannis, Jokic, and Embiid. Ooh. Who's starting for you? Man, that is so tough because they all do stuff really well um i would say based off like you know whole career 
I would say you have to start Giannis. You'd probably so okay, what would be worse? Bench or G League? Like bench is like, you know, bench should be second best, right? Just want to make sure. Right. Okay. I'd probably bench Jokic and, and G League and Bead. I don't know. I, I it, it's tough because I think Giannis and Jokic are very similar, but also as far as like I mean, Giannis is MVP, he's a champion. Jokic is MVP as well. But also like the Nuggets really haven't made to the finals like the Bucks have. So I think the ultimate qualifier is, is like championship pedigree. So that's why I would start Giannis. Um but it's tough. Like all three of those guys are are really like close, but it's 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 a hard one. But I, I would say, you know, I just don't know when the Sixers are gonna make that like that jump. I mean, Embiid is generational, but also too it's like when are they going to go to the finals? But, like, the East is so tough this year, but there is also, like, you know, three or four teams that are really, like, separating from the pack. So I would say that with that in mind. Right. So, I, I think if either of them won MVP, I wouldn't even be mad. Yeah. No, I mean. You know what I mean? You can make arguments for all of them, and, and I'm totally fine. I My bold – I don't know if it's really bold. I think Tame's going to win MVP this year. I don't know. I just – especially if the Celtics keep winning. I know they lost tonight, but – Tatum just playing at an unreal level, and also he's on my fantasy team. So, yeah. Got, got a of course. Yeah. All right, so I'm going to open up the mics. What's going to happen is I think we'll just let one or two at a time. Yeah. So we're not talking over each other. Um, I'll have Cameron answer the question first. Naima and Elizabeth, uh, feel free to chime in. And then uh, if you guys want to answer the question and, and get up on the stage, so to speak, feel free to request. Um so the question would be, what do you want to see in the second half of the season as far as the Kings go? I think the thing is, when you look at the trade deadline, it's it's a tough spot for them because, you know, dude, they have holes. They really do. They need a backup center who can play more than 10 to 15 minutes a night to give Domas a rest. And they really need a, a, a 3 and D wing. Like, they need someone... Like obviously not to his level because he's he if it, if I could have like anybody on the Canes like realistically beat Mikel Bridges because he does he's literally a perfect he's a great defender he can shoot the three well like he does he's literally perfect but obviously you no know, that'd be a pipe dream uh like he, they would never get him I'm just saying like they need a player similar to that like they need someone they need a better offensive player than Casey Akpala like Casey's a great defender you know he does his role well. But, I mean, he just doesn't play offense well. So, basically what I was trying to – like, my point is, is you go to the deadline and you have obvious holes, but you don't want to mess up the chemistry, which – because, like I said, the vibes are high right now. And you could get in a situation where you trade a guy like Amon Shumper and, you know, it really kind of drags the team down, even though they got better. Like, HB is a was a clear upgrade over Amon. But Amon was the heartbeat of the team, and he, you know, he made them, you know, who they are. So, I mean, that was their identity. They're the scores. And, I mean, I know a lot of people brought up, like, you know, and it's been, like, a topic like this for probably the last three trade deadlines by HB. And I'm just saying, like, if you trade HB, who's your veteran on the team? I don't know. Like, I just – but – to that point, though, like you do need to make a move, but who are you going to trade and like what assets are you willing to give up? Because your picks are tied to Atlanta because of the 2024 uh, first round pick because of the Herder deal. 
And so I don't know where you what you do. I mean, there, there's a lot of guys like I, I like Mason Plumley a lot, I like Cam Reddish. Uh, but I mean, who knows what they're going to cost? And also, too, I think the market's going to be really inflated this off or this uh, this trade deadline because you know there are so many teams in the West who are contenders, and there's probably like if you ask like in the West, like there's probably at least five or six teams who can say, hey, we have a shot to make the finals out of the West. And so that's why I think the market's going to be inflated because everyone's going to try to make that move and, you know, the prices are going to drive up. And there's really only probably five, like, teams, like, in the NBA or five or six that are, like, there's no way they're going to make the playoffs. Like, Pistons, Hornets, Rockets. Um, I'm trying to think off the top of my head of who else is really – oh, Spurs. So, like, those teams are obviously not going to make the playoffs and they're going to be sellers, but – Everyone else is like, you know, I, a lot of people said, like, are the Raptors going to blow up? Are the Bulls going to blow it up? And, like, on paper, both those teams are extremely talented. So, I would say they need to make a move. What move? I don't know. Because I don't know what a guy like Plumlee or Reddish would cost you. Naima, go ahead. Naima, I think you said you're uh... – Sounds yeah, like sorry. I I don't know. Twitter's been acting weird for me, but um, you said like what the what you'd like the second half of the season to be for the Kings. Yeah. Um. So for me, I'm like we really have a problem rebounding and boxing out because Sabonis does so much for us, and he like he's kind of undersized sometimes against the bigs against other teams, obviously. So I'd like some a. Like, from the beginning, I feel like we've been saying this from the beginning, that we need, like, a really good rebounder. And I don't know exactly who. I'm not, like, an expert in, like, trades and everything. Yeah. But I feel like that's what we need to, that's what we need to like, go and get is just, like, just a – literally just a player. Or I'm not sure why we don't play Alex Len more. Like, when we have um, – when bigger players are playing. And obviously, you got to play Sabonis, I understand, but – um, sometimes you need a rest of bonus, right? And I trust Mike Brown completely in his rotations. I just, I, I don't know, because, like, Alex Len did play well for us sometimes. Um, so, I don't know with that. But I do know that we need a rebounder, like a true five. But Rashawn has been playing well, so we'll see what happens. No one truly knows what happens, right? It's just, like, hypo- everything is hypothetical until a game starts and it ball starts to roll. So, yeah. The thing is, in... Correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think Sabonis has played a single minute with Holmes. Maybe, like, when they first got Trey. I know for a fact this season they haven't, like, shared the floor. But, I mean, the thing is, I think what's going to help with the rebounding is Keegan's development as a rebounder because, you know, he has, like, stepped up the last, you know, week or two. I think he's averaging maybe six or seven rebounds. I mean, he had 14 against the Thunder. That was his, That's his best game as a pro. But, I mean, he is rebounding more, which is going to help Sabonis. And I think you are right, because they are asking him to do a lot. Uh, but I don't know. I mean, I think they, they just need to get someone that Sabonis doesn't have to play 40 minutes every night. Like, because, you know, I, I think people have kind of, like, I don't know, forgotten. But, like, he's still hurt. I mean, he has a, like, broken thumb. Like, I mean, or I, I don't know, like, the extent of the injury as far as, like, what they're officially calling it. But he's playing clearly hurt as far as, like, not like, you know, like that. But I'm saying is he's still playing injured. So for him to play the way he did, especially when he first came back from injury, I think the first game was that 
second Nuggets game where he just he played amazing. And I think uh, he's obviously had a few triple doubles the last few weeks. And so he's just playing amazing right now. So I think they do need to get him help. I don't know what that help is. I mean, like I said, I think Plumlee would be amazing. Uh, but also, too, what would it cost you? I don't know. But I guess we'll find out in a few weeks. Liz, go ahead. So bringing up Casey Akpala, so we we saw the news today that he was assigned to the G League. Um, what do you think that means for him and the team moving forward if he's getting that assignment down there? I think they just want to give more minutes. I mean, it's weird because there's some stretches. I think it was that the road trip where they went to Boston and uh, Atlanta, I want to say, where Casey played really well. And it makes you think, like, why isn't he in the rotation every night? Um but it is funny that like something I have brought up, I, I think about Alex Len, and it, it's interesting that Alex Len isn't good enough to be in the rotation at all. But he's good enough to start when they play against Jokic, and I think it's the same thing with like TD. Like TD is good enough to start when Herder's out, which I know it comes down to rotations as far as like not messing that up. But I mean TD hasn't really been playing a whole lot the last you know month or so. I mean uh, Holmes is. You know, sometimes he plays, sometimes he doesn't. But, I mean, Holmes against the Lakers uh, when they played in L.A. was fantastic. I mean, he had a, he had a literally perfect game shooting-wise. I think he uh, I think he was like 6-6 six six from the field and, and like 3-3 three three from the free throw line, something like that. So, And then he didn't play the next game. So I, I, I just don't know. Like it, uh, I mean, obviously, you know, they, the Kings are smarter rotations than I am. But it, it just is interesting to see kind of like, you know, who doesn't play, but going back to KZ, like he hasn't been playing a lot. Like he plays when he does play, like he comes in with like 15 seconds left in the second or 15 seconds left in the second quarter when the Kings are clearly not going to get the ball back and they need to stop. And he is a really valuable defender. I mean, him and him and Davion are the two best defenders on the Kings by far. And I don't know who that third is or, or who that second defender would be obviously with KZ down in uh, Stockton. So, to answer your question, I think it's just to get more development, and it's good because if he's not going to play in sack, like why not give him some reps in stock and to get his confidence up? All right, I'm going to pause for a quick second. Thank you guys for coming through and uh, listening in. Again, the mics are open, so if you guys want to speak, feel free to request. Um, I'm going to ask this one question, though. Uh, last night was a bad loss, right, Cameron? Yeah. Um, how do you process bad losses like last night? I mean, I think it's well, how I said it is like, you know, you have to really look at the whole view and big picture. Like, you know, if you said to fans or Kings fans for the season, like, hey, they'd be 27 and 20. I think most fans would be elated and they would be very ecstatic. So, like, you know, bad losses happen. Like, literally every single team this year has had a bad loss. And it's funny because before, you know, like, when they first started the season, they won that seven-game win streak, and then they lost to the Celtics and the Hawks. Like, they hadn't really had a quote-unquote bad loss yet. I mean, they, they had dropped some games. They'd lost to the Grizzlies, I think, by 15. But, I mean, they just got outplayed against, like, the Hawks and the Celtics both games, and that was a back-to-back, I believe. Or, I think, oh, the Hawks maybe was the second I have a back-to-back. Something like that. But, like, they've had some really bad games the last month. I mean, the games that come to mind, obviously, are the Hornets, the Wizards, um... And then last night, so they've had some bad games, but kind of like you said, like how I process it is, you know, like it's a long season. Like it's at the end of the day, like it's 
the Kings are not going to not make the playoffs because they lost last night. Like, that's just how it – I mean, every team has had bad losses. But, you know, I would say, like, you know, they have to improve. But I thought when they lost to the Hornets on December 19th and then they beat the Lakers a few days later, it's like, okay, like, you know, they're making progress. They're improving. And then they lost to the Wizards the, two days later. So, I don't know. Like like Mike said, like, they need to hit some adversity, which I think every team does. But it is uh, – I think the Raptors kind of exposed the Kings' weaknesses because the Raptors were super physical. They were great defensively. They were saying dom- or doubles at Domas's. That, that's like a – that's a ton full. Um, And, you know, like, not a lot of people were cutting to the basket. Like, people were saying stationary. No one was relocating to another spot. And, you know, like, it be- could become, like, the blueprint on how to beat the Kings. Like, I mean, the Kings are really good offensively, and they haven't really been great defensively the last few weeks. So, I, I think they need to clean up the defense. And, like I said, I don't know what that looks like. I think they, they do have somewhat the personnel to-, to be a good defensive team. I mean, when De'Aaron is playing good defense and De'Aaron steps up, he's shown he can be a good defender. And, you know, obviously, like, the whole team. I mean, Keegan coming down to college was one of the best two-way players in the draft. And so, you know, if he develops as a defender, which, you know, is tough because at the beginning of the season, like, Mike Brown and, and the Kings were putting Keegan in, like, the toughest matchups. Like, he was guarding Donovan Mitchell. He was guarding Steph. He was guarding elite guards. And, I mean, Keegan isn't really fast. Like, he doesn't really have, like, the, the quote-unquote defensive tools to be, like, like a KZ type player, but he is still a good defender. And so I, I thought all those matchups he was given were, were pretty interesting, but I, I would say like, they just really need to clean up the defense going forward. But how I handle or how I think like the Kings handle those losses, like, you know, it's a long season. I mean, it's, it's one of 82 games and it, but the thing is with the, the difference between this year's Kings team and maybe the past teams is like when the Kings would go on like a two game losing streak, they would, that would turn to like a seven game losing streak or an eight game losing streak. Now it's like, you know, they, I think they've only lost three games in a row. I don't know. Twice this season. If I remember right, they lost to, obviously they started 0 and four. They lost to the Suns, which was the third loss. And then I think they won like a three game win streak. So I, I think at the end of the day, like they're going to be fine. Like they, they need to get their stuff together, but, yeah, I would say, you know, it's one loss, but that I would say yesterday was their worst performance of the season by far. Yeah, I'm glad you said blueprint because I think for me, this is a test for them. And I think they have four months to figure it out before the playoffs start. So if this is the blueprint, then there's no doubt in my mind. Uh, Coach Brown and the staff are going to be in the lab and figure it out to beat that, right? So in this athletic article by Eric Kareem, he said that Brown said before the game that this game would be like a barometer game where he's going to see if this team is ready for playoff level defensive pressure. Yeah. And so this is going to help them guide uh, what they're going to do moving forward. So that's how I see it. Growth mindset, right? Growth mindset. Yep. Exactly. Uh, Not fixed. Mindset. Elizabeth and absolutely uh, Elizabeth and then Royal rebounds. Yeah, I'm glad we're bringing this up because I think it's so important because with this coaching staff, I have faith, you know, like a loss like this, they're going to learn from it. And then the coaching staff is going to hold these players accountable. And I think we haven't seen that with, you know, past um, coaching staff is 
they didn't hold these players accountable like they are now. So I think a loss like this definitely helps them. Like, of course, we never want to lose, but you're going to lose games along the way. So I think it's a good loss to, you know, in order to learn from. And then I think this coaching staff is going to, you know, obviously propel them and then hold these players accountable to, you know, fix their mistakes. So it's it's definitely different from previous years. That's for sure. I agree. Raw rebounds. Go for it. What's up, guys? Hey, um, I'm kind of in the camp right now of holding on to Harrison Barnes, you know, because kind of what you mentioned, you know, the Shumpert thing. I'm a little afraid to mess up chemistry. I know he loves Sacramento, and we were able to re-sign him once. Uh, what do you think it would cost to keep HB at the end of the season? I know a few people have thrown out some numbers. I think it was like – I want to say it was uh, Tim, I want to say, who who threw out some like hypothetical contract numbers. I'll see if I can find it. But that's the thing with HB. Like, obviously, he's an expiring contract. He's playing really well the last month. I mean, he's averaging 20-something points a game. And he's your veteran leader. He's your veteran presence on the team. Like, he has NBA Finals experience. He has playoff experience. And... Like, not a lot of players on the Kings have that. Like, just because, you know, I mean, obviously Herter has experience. Um, De'Aaron doesn't. Domas does. Uh, Harrison does. Keegan obviously doesn't. But, like, most of these guys don't have playoff experience. I know it may sound really cliche, but, like, they need that. Okay, so I, I found Tim Sweet. So, uh, it was, like, three different deals. Three years, 45. Three years, 54. And three years, 63. And I think he got 20 or so. I want to say he got four years, 85 million last time, uh, if I'm if I'm corrected. I think Buddy got four years, 86. But like at the end of the day, like if they either need to not trade him, but like if if they're not going to re-sign him, like what are you going to do? Like what are you going to do with Harrison Barnes? I think that I I tweeted that literally yesterday or on uh, rather Monday when he started off like five for five from three. I'm like, what are you going to do with him? Like, are you going to resign him? Are you going to trade him at the deadline? Are you going to just hold Pat and just hope he, what happens? Like, I don't know. It's kind of a risk because his trade value is, you know, at the highest probably right now, just because of how well he's playing and how well the market's going to be inflated. But at the counterpoint, like you probably don't want to trade him because he is your veteran leader and it could mess up the chemistry. Maybe it won't. But I mean, I think a lot. Of, I mean, guys like Harrison. I mean, he's a good guy. He's 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 uh, a great locker room presence. He's a great leader. He's um, so I, I think it would be silly to trade him. But you know, Monty McNair. I didn't think they would trade Tyrese Halliburton either. So uh, we'll we'll um, we'll see what happens in the deadline. I, I I think it is it is good that Monty got his extension um, now rather than you know in weeks. But I mean, because I I said before the season. Going to the deadline, if Monty didn't have a um, a new contract, he probably would feel pressured to, you know, make another not splash trade, but like make a trade that makes sure the Kings make the play in their playoff this year. And so I don't think he really, I wouldn't say feels that pressure because I know everyone and you know everyone wants to see the drought get ended. But I think there is kind of less pressure knowing, hey, I do have that long-term deal in the back of my head. Like, I don't think it's going to make him not work as hard. Like, that's, that's silly. But I'm just saying I think it's going to be a different deadline this year. I think it's not going to be anything crazy. 
Yeah, as far as money goes, I actually think they're going to wait till the playoffs. If he's a playoff performer, I totally think he's going to get more than 10. He might even uh, get 15 for over two years. You know what I mean? 15 per year over two years. Because I think playoff performers are hard to find. And so if he balls out in the playoffs, I, I think he'll get more money than most people think because I think that's valuable. I agree. Um, Elizabeth, exactly. Uh, Elizabeth and then Megalou. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad we're bringing this up because Harrison Barnes has been the hot topic of King's Twitter. You know, are they going to trade him? We should trade him, you know, things like that. But his locker room presence is huge in a team, you know, that is so young. Um, and the same thing, I think, you know, people uh, were kind of questioning why they kept Matthew Dellavedova, you know, to begin the season. Why didn't they not keep, you know, a couple other players that were younger? But I think that's what Matthew Dellavedova brings to this team is that locker room leadership. He's had the, you know, finals experience. He has that connection with Mike Brown. So, I mean, it's really important for teams like this, you know, young and upcoming um, to have those kind of players in the locker room. So, yeah, Matthew Delvadova, I think, is a huge piece of that as well. I know Drew would love, love to hear you say that because that's that's his boy. And I know I know you're I know you're a big St. Mary's guy, too, right? Or UCLA? Me? No, I was, I was talking to Daily Sabonis. Uh, me? No, I'm I'm used okay, to that. Drew is a Saint okay, That's what I thought. Um, yeah, Drew, <laughs> Drew's tweets are hilarious. Also, I saw UCLA lost tonight, which is unfortunate. That's that's uh, brutal. Uh, <laughs> let me tell you this: the Kings' uh, dream draft in in 2024 is uh, drafting Andre and Bronny. Wait, actually, would it be 2025? Wait, yeah, no, it'd be 2024, right? Uh, yeah, because yeah, yeah. uh, Andre would yeah. have to yeah. play this yeah. season, this next season. I, honestly, and then yeah, we'll save that for when you come honestly, back. Honestly, I'm still you know what I mean? I'm still stuck in 2020. So I was like trying to like do the math. Like, right, is it 2024? But hey, I've always said the Kings are going to draft Bronny. I don't know why. I just have like this like strong suspicion that they're going to end up drafting him. And like honestly, too, like <laughs> it's going to be. I, I know we're. I'm. This is like way left topic, but I'm just saying like. I'm curious where Bronny's going to end up because if, if there's like a, not a handshake agreement, but if LeBron wants to play with Bronny and you have the chance to, you know, acquire LeBron at age 40 and Bronny's coming with them, like, what's that worth? I mean, I think he'd be a lottery pick at that point, but he has, he has gotten a lot better. I know a lot of people like say, oh, he's just LeBron's son. Like he's improved so much as a player since he was a freshman at Sierra Canyon. Like he's gotten so much better. And so I, I'm really curious where he goes to school. And I, I was talking to a few of my friends about this the other day. Like, I think he's going to be not like talent wise, but he might be the most hyped up college basketball prospect ever just because he's LeBron's son and he will have cameras literally everywhere. Well, he's not trash. He's, no. a, he's actually a four-star recruit. Um, no, he has strengths. So yeah. And it, what are you going to do? And you have instant fandom. Uh, his jersey will sell out for you. 100%. And, and you'll make money. And, as a college, and it's just, it, it sucks for that kid because you're like, whatever he he could literally be a Hall of Fame player, and he like won't look to his dad like that's just the reality of the situation. And so for him like to be like a McDonald's All American in high school, and then obviously I, I think that his final three are like UC or USC, Ohio State, and Oregon. Like if he goes to one of those schools and balls out and becomes a lottery pick, like that's really really good. So like I said, but also the Kings might not have a first round pick next year because if if the Kings like make the playoffs. That pick conveys to Atlanta. I think it's top sixteen protected. Right on. All right, guys. So we are going to end this in about I don't know five ten minutes. Uh, Meg, what's up? 
Hey Cameron, hey guys. Um, I just this is probably like pretty left field, but I'm just curious. Like we have a semi-controversial owner in Vivac, and I know he got a lot of shit for like promoting and Jolly. Sorry if I wasn't supposed to swear. Um, and I'm just wondering, you know, if you see them around at practices and. Um, pre-game often and how involved in the day-to-day -day do you think they actually are? Are you talking about just Vivek? Yeah, I mean, I think Anjali is technically the G League, right? She's like an assistant yeah, 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 GM yeah. of Stockton. But yeah. yeah. Um, I see Vivek at almost every game. I know he has his like specific seat he sits in courtside. Um, I haven't gone to a ton of practices this year. Like I went to the start of the season. Uh you know, you see him around, but I don't know. Like, I I, I want to say he's gotten better, like, in some ways because, like, everyone knows about, like, everything that's gone on with Vivek. Like, it's it's not, like, like a secret. Like, as far as how, like, the, you know, everything that's gone on. But I'm saying is, like, I think things have gone somewhat better because, like, you know, there's, there's competent – there's a competent coach and a competent GM now, uh, which makes things a lot better. Um, because it would have been the, I, I don't know if funny is the right word, but like if Monty would have walked or like he would have got a deal with someone else, like you would have had to start all over. And I, like I compared it to the 49ers. So like when they hired Kyle Shanahan, and John Lynch, like they hired them together. Like as far as like they were going to work together, same contract years, same everything. And when they both got extended after the Super Bowl loss, it was the same exact thing. And so you really need, a coach and GM that's aligned. So when you have your coach and GM that's aligned, like it makes things a lot better. So I think that's been uh, good too. And it helps, you know, winning cures everything. So I think it's gotten better in that, that sense. Ty, go ahead. Uh, g'day, g'day. Uh, like always, I hope everyone's having a good day. Uh, Cameron, I have a question for you. Yeah. Did, how many, how many all-stars do you think uh, the Sacramento Kings will get this year with you guys being the free season? I would say Sabonis is like pretty much a lock. De'Aaron is kind of like on the fence. Like I think I would say, you know, I, I, I want to say Sabonis is going to be an all-star just because like if he isn't like that'd be a very, they're very bad just as far as like he's a leading rebounder in the NBA. Like he's averaging, I think 18, 12 and a half and seven. Like that's very good. So I think he'll for sure be an all-star. I think it's De'Aaron that's kind of like the, you know, like, he, he's not fringe all-star, but, like, he, there's, like, probably three or four guys that are going to get, like, one spot. And, you know, like, I think De'Aaron could end up being, like, an injury replacement. Like, he he's played an all-star level this year. Like, there's no doubt about it. But there are, there are so many good guards in the West. Like, you know, like, I think they, they showed the, um, they showed, like, the, the return. I think De'Aaron was... I want to say six, if that's correct. He was either six or seven in the guards. So, I mean, he could get picked as a reserve. Um, I, I don't know. But I do know, like, the guards in the West are very, very, very good. So, we'll see. I, I would say one for sure. De'Aaron, maybe. We'll see. I think it's like a 15 chance. Would you be upset if Fox doesn't make it? And I do agree with the testament that Sabonis will make it, especially with, you know, how – Injury, injury riddled the forwards have been in the West. Yeah. So, like, I definitely don't see Sabonis missing out. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, is 
once you make one all-star team, it's easier to become an all-star again. And so Sabonis is a two-time all-star. And so not that it's easier for him to make it, but, you know, like with, with fan voting and, and media voting and coaches voting, like he's already like everyone knows he's an all-star already. And and De'Aaron, it's, it's, it's different because he hasn't been an all-star. And he should have been an all-star two years ago over Conley, but uh, – because, like, stat-wise, I think Conley was averaging, like, 17 points a game or something like that, and um, De'Aaron was averaging, like, 25. But it goes back to winning. Like, the Jazz were clearly better than the Kings back then. So maybe the Kings' record will help, but we'll see. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, I would, Like I said, I think Sabonis is almost as a lock as you can get for being an all-star. De'Aaron's kind of like a 50-50. All right, so I think we're going to end it. Uh, our time is out. Uh, I do want to end on a fun note. We talked about this in the DMs, Cameron. Yeah. Your video of that streaker went viral. Oh, my gosh. It was, like, perfectly shot from, a, like, a fan cam perspective. Oh, my God. I mean, when I watched the video, you know, I felt like it was in the, cra- in the crowd experiencing that moment. Like, what was that like? Oh, dude, that was crazy. So, like, I had my phone out because, like, I, I kind of saw what was happening. I was like, I'm going to record this. Why not? And so I started recording, and then, like, it, like, it was just that, like, instant, like, I need to post this. And so I posted on Twitter, and it was funny. One of my friends called me because I was just, like, yeah, like, I was, like, talking to him just about the game. And I ended the phone call, and I refreshed my Twitter. It had, like, 1,000 likes in, like, a minute. I was, like, what? I was, I was just stunned. And then, obviously, like, a lot of different places reached out uh to use the video and I, it was on like a different bunch of different places but it was just i was like oh my goodness it, it was it was surreal so that, that was a really cool experience and uh something i'll definitely never forget for sure well cameron thank you so much for uh spending time with us. yeah it was a pleasure and uh always loved talking king's basketball and uh definitely some good times ahead for sure and uh thanks for having me so much absolutely thank you, thank you. talk soon What's up, guys? Hey, Nick. How's it going? We're about to end. What's going on? I just want to say that we play on Saturday. We played Minnesota. That we lost yesterday. We lost last night. But you know, we gotta we gotta try to turn this around and try to beat Minnesota. Why not we beat Minnesota? Them? Why not beat Minnesota? We gotta try to beat them. So you know, I do have to say, you know, if I was coaching the locker room. If I was in the locker room, I tell my team to play some better defense. Get on your man. Stay on them. It's what you got to do. All right, Nick. Thank you so much. Hey, can you do this really quick? Sleep dreams. Sleep Sleep dreams. dreams. Take care, Nick. All right. See you guys next time.